And we are live on Leadership Redefined with, with uh, Dr. Bernardo. Welcome. And uh, we have uh, Dr. Zacharies here as well. Welcome. Dr. Lawyer extraordinaire, a little bit of everything. Uh, uh, as Rich just mentioned off air, I think this is our first two-time guest. So you have the honor of that, Larry. I mean, how great is that? I mean, what other accolades do you need to, other than be a two-time guest on Leadership Redefined? I mean, that's got to be the pinnacle of your career, I mean, so far, is it not? Very much humbled to be uh, among my esteemed colleagues. So thank you for having me back. So Larry, for those who, uh, th for those audience members that did not, I don't know why they wouldn't watch the first podcast with you. Um, I mean, they really lost out. They should go back and, and watch it if they haven't. All kidding aside, it was great talking to you the first time. Um, can just do a quick intro and then we'll get into this again, another transition that we're doing in the higher ed space where you are, but uh, quick intro and then we'll get into some cool conversation about what we are talking about moving back and what we have to consider too. Sure. So uh, thanks again for having me back, both of you. I appreciate it. Uh, my name is Larry Zacharis. I'm the uh, interim Chief of Police and Assistant Vice President for Campus Safety and Senior Operations Director for Institutional Resiliency at Stony Brook University. Um, been in the former, that for, first part of that role for, for about nine months now, actually. It's been that, it's been a while since we spoke. Uh, been managing the, the COVID response and recovery for the better part of uh, 14 plus months. And uh, I've been there at the university in all of those positions for about 12 years now. Wonderful, wonderful. So, um, and you, I guess, like many people, came into a role uh, really under fire with COVID going on. Uh, and obviously, you've adjusted pretty well. You're still here, right? So you've obviously adjusted pretty well. Uh, but Larry, we're getting into, I think everybody wants to obviously get back to as much normalcy as we can. Um, I think everybody agrees that uh, while we want to keep a lot of what we had and learned from in this virtual space, we want to keep the positive components of that. Uh, we really, the, the goal has always been to get in higher education, K-12, uh, get kids back to campus, uh, get people back into the face-to-face -face where face-to-face -face is, is the, the way we, we the, the chosen modality. So what, what are some of the things that you and your role um, at really high level at the institution have to consider? And what are some of the processes that you're sort of going through to get there? Because we know it's not, for the audience, it's not, hey, snap your fingers and we're there. Um, there are a lot of, there's a lot of push and pull. There's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. And whatever you could share would be awesome. Sure. Thanks again. You know, we're, we're at this very critical point where um, we're winding down the semester, only a few weeks left, you know, where, the lion's share of, of our classes were uh, online or, or hybrid. Uh, and we're getting to a point where we're thinking to the fall and thinking to the, you know, to the future. And a lot of the, a lot of the assumptions we're making are just that they're assumptions based on guidance that has not necessarily been released. And I'll talk about one that you mentioned, you know, even before we got on air. So the K to 12 guidance from the CDC reducing the, the, the footprint from six feet down to three foot has not been adopted uh, for, for higher ed yet. And there's, you know, hundreds of guys and gals like me every day pushing their individual regulatory bodies, you know, for an answer and to see local health department, state health department, um, in our case, SUNY uh, and, and, and many others trying to identify, you know, what it's going to look like in the fall while also knowing that, you know, our registration for the fall has already opened and, and is about to close. 
So we have to do some, uh, I'll say risk, you know, risk assessment and, you know, risk mitigation and a bit of a judgment call. You know, we, we are at a point where we know uh, overwhelmingly students want to come back and want to be in the classrooms as, as, our, as our faculty. Um, there are some things that will remain online because it worked. There are some things that will remain online unrelated for us that, you know, due to some infrastructure issues and some rehabilitations of buildings would have happened even, even if there was no such thing as COVID. Uh, but we're about 25% hybrid and online and 75, I'm sorry, 25% face-to-face um, and 75% hybrid and online. And we're looking to flip that uh, for the fall to really get, you know, folks back. So that's a lot of the- Yeah, that's really interesting. And just, just to contextualize every three feet versus every six feet, like what does that mean in real world context um, for what you have to plan for? Or, yeah. or you know what I'm saying? Like just yeah. try to- Put, put a picture on that for the audience. So, you know, the vast majority, especially so it is a, it seems silly, but it's the reality is a practical application of that. So a classroom that has fixed seating, you're limited by that, you know, based on the infrastructure uh, versus one that has movable seats and a lecture hall versus a smaller classroom. But the vast majority of our smaller classrooms, I'll say 50 or less under non-COVID situations were really not usable for us un- under the six foot rule. So we had a very limited inventory of what, of what we could use as we're starting to think about, you know, that um, the CDC is out there now on the record with three feet, right? So we've been waiting for a couple of things. One, the vaccine. When we, even when we spoke and even when this whole thing started, the vaccine was sort of our, our ticket to the end of the, or at least the beginning of the end of the pandemic. And we're at the point now where, you know, statewide, we're probably at the 25, 28% of those vaccinated nationwide. Things are moving a lot faster than uh, I think even some experts thought. So we're, we're headed in the right direction. It's not the end all be all because as we've seen with the guidance, just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean the mask can come off, doesn't mean the social distancing necessarily gets relaxed. And there's now some diverging um, pieces of guidance. So the CDC is sort of looking at things, local health departments, we see it with, um, you know, uh, even today, uh, opening up and loosening of restrictions for, for outdoor venues, for indoor venues, for, for bowling alleys, right? So it's, it's this constant moving target. So for us to, to wait for the final word for the classroom, we simply couldn't do it. So we're doing a lot of things safe, you know, erring on the side of caution, using science, using all those things. We're still going to continue to test in the fall. Our students, faculty, and staff, we're having a major push, and we have had major pushes uh, on vaccines, you know, Stony Brook is, uh, we have two sites, actually, state sites that we're running, um, and 250,000 of the 300,000 plus doses in Suffolk County have been administered in some way, shape, or form from, from a Stony Brook entity. So we're at the forefront of that. So, Larry, you also have to, like, as I'm thinking this through and talking, and Rich, I want to hear from you as well. Um, you could figure this out, say it's three feet, say it's six feet, or say you scenario for both of those, even those have to have fluidity, right? Those could change if, you know, the, the vaccine isn't working with a new strand or what, what it, I mean, it really, so how do you, from a leadership perspective, how do you plan for, for the fluid? Na- and I know you've been doing this since the beginning, but the difference I think here is we're going to bring everybody back, Right. And now it's like the fluidity has to be so prevalent in what you're planning for. How do you do that as a leader? <laughs> the biggest challenge is, is trying to um, 
I'll say our registrar, our faculty for sure, and the, the people who are responsible for, you know, figuring out the the platform from which they're going to teach, right? So trying to keep them motivated and, and after a year, a lot of back and forth and are we in person, are we online? Are there going to be vaccines available? So we've answered a lot of those questions. The good thing is, is that the, the folks who were comfortable are will remain comfortable in, in the classroom. Those who are hesitant because of, of you know, wanting to get the vaccine and or watching the in, infectivity rates, both locally, regionally, and on campus, we have been remarkably lucky. Uh, I shouldn't say lucky because it's due to a lot of effort. We've been the benefactors of a very low rate the, the entire time. Even when we had decent cases in the community, we didn't necessarily see that on campus. So that's a positive as well. Check that box to assuage people's fears and make them more comfortable, uh, both our faculty as well as our students in the classroom. Um, you know, and then it's just, the, it's it's from the academic continuity standpoint that there's just some things that, um, I'll give you an example, uh, you know, uh, anatomy and physiology, our gross anatomy lab. We made it work last year, um, but, you know, the our future uh, healthcare providers, you know, uh, of, of, of our world um, don't want to be learning, you know, dissecting an, uh, a cadaver virtually. I mean, we can there, it's a supplement, but there's just some things that you you, you can't really replicate. And that's, that's a good example. Uh, Rich to you. Now I keep hearing the word uh, and, and, and you really a, a bad, good example of this, uh, Larry. Um, I use the future. We all use the futuring word a lot among what we do. Uh, and in a certain sense, you're a, a bad example of what I'm driving at. And that's good in the sense that, you know, just, just listening to you and listening to how you, process, you know, throw everything into a funnel up in your head and everything kind of sifts through that process and you sort out, and here's, the, here's where I get more specific, the intersection of so many variables from the size of a classroom to, the avail- to uh, uh, virtual versus actual uh, cadaver dissection and recognize how those intersections uh, ripple out to places that you may not necessarily future for if you didn't have a Larry at the helm. So I think I like the way I said that. I think that makes, I think that makes sense. So I, when I'm wondering about in terms of not necessarily Sternberg as an organization, but I guess maybe in a wider sense, and maybe you can comment to this is, you know, the skills of a leader like yourself and the other leaders with whom you are obviously conversing have to be, beyond the skills of leadership that we ordinarily associate with leadership, they have to be futurists insofar as uh, whatever they're responsible for to uh, make, all the, make all the wheels turn and, every, and every, make all the intersections align with each other. And these certain kinds of skills that are, I'm wondering about whether everyone you, in your uh, view, or I'm not sure where I want to take the question, um, necessarily may have these may have. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. And I think, you know, at the risk of sounding pompous, because I never want to sound like that at all. Go ahead, uh, be pompous, you're entitled. No, <laughs> no you know, it's a unique skill set, um, some yeah. of which is really adaptable, right? So it's that emergency risk mindset, right? To, to crisis response, crisis management. And that's been my, you know, my life's work. Um, and then some of it is just inherent to 
the, the different leaders that are at the table, this senior leadership team, and there's certainly many, there's hundreds of people that have been involved. But if you get to the core of it, it's not as many as people think. And I won't give you no. the number because then, you know, we don't want to, uh, you know, pull the, pull the curtain back and see the, you know, the Oz pulling the, the, uh, the controls. But there's, it's, you know, the, it's the ability to be nimble as we talked, you know, last time. It's that flexibility, that pivot on the fly. Just when you think you, if you think you've seen it all, then you need to leave the room because we know we haven't seen it all and being ready and being resilient and being ready for the next challenge and seeing those obstacles as challenges and, and, and how to navigate around them. So, you know, we went from, we need a vaccine to not only did the vaccine come out, but now we're in the vaccine business, you know, 24 seven, literally seven days a week at on our campus, on our Southampton campus, we're doing pop-up locations. We're supporting Stony Brook Medicine. Stony Brook Medicine is supporting the state and the county. And we're just involved in so many things. So um, even, even in the midst of you know, building a field hospital last year and all the things we were doing, if you had asked me that Stony Brook would be so involved in the actual vaccine administration, I probably wouldn't have said yes. Uh, I wouldn't have said, no, we will turn that work down. But that's just a good example of how we play this this regional role and the people who are there making those decisions, uh, like I said, are, are in that mindset, that crisis mindset, or they just have the, the leadership skill set that we, we never say no and, and we can be flexible. So, yeah, Rich, I'll let you get, I just wanted to make one comment on, you mentioned pompous at the beginning of this, and uh, you don't want to sound pompous. And I actually think the irony is that your humility and your openness to see things, uh, uh, multiple perspectives. I think that's because a lot of people get pompous confused with confidence, right? I think you're confident based on your experience. Um, and I just want to clarify what we know of you and what we've seen. Uh, it's really driven by, in my view, uh, humility, uh, setting your ego aside and, and the ability to listen to all stakeholders and make a confident decision on what to do but really not dismissing any, anyone around you. That's what I hear from you in these conversations. Is that accurate, Larry? And then Rich will get to you as well. Yeah, it is. My, my ego has been locked in a cage for, for the better part of 15 months because we, we wouldn't have gotten here if, uh, if you're 100% right. And I appreciate that distinction. Rich, you had a comment? Yeah, yeah I'm just, I, this is going to sound so nerdy. I'm, I'm apologizing in advance. Uh, would we bet? Would and I'm talking in, in abstract terms, Larry, but I think you're the, one of the best people I can think of to comment to this. Would we all be all, whoever all is, be better served if somehow or another there was a, a more, and I hate this word I'm going to use, formal formal training of those kinds of mindsets and skills that you naturally practice with whomever your colleagues are? Wouldn't we? Wouldn't would we not be better off if everyone were trained to, to think that way? And know how to be agile that way, because there's going to be another. There's going to be a, all kinds of God forbids coming up the road. We have a, a lot of money coming from the federal government to universities and to K twelve, where schools, school systems, and universities are going to be, be uh, uh, empowered to, sp to spend to react to the COVID crisis to redo themselves. And yeah. I, I, I kind of wonder whether we, as a whole with a W, have the skill set as well as the as well as the mindset. To uh, skillfully uh, future for what we what we have the uh, opportunity to refine what all of what we do. You know, I, I think there's I won't say two two camps because there's probably more than two, but let's say two clearly defined camps. Places 
and I'll use your, you know, the term, the whatever places is broadly, the broad spectrum of, of organizations and entities and businesses and individuals, places that were successful and, and in some cases, um, accelerated and, and artfully navigated this pandemic did so, I think, with people at the helm that had experience and that were, um, were crisis management minded folks. And places that didn't do as well um, or were stymied or just completely paralyzed with either fear or lack of preparation did so because the people who were at the helm either didn't have the, the wherewithal to be able to see a couple of you know, leaps ahead or didn't have the skill set that that said, you know, we have to think that's that broad, that broad spectrum that while we're dealing with, this is the issue here, it's a public health crisis, but it's so much more, whether you're the local deli owner, or you're, you know, whoever you are. So is there a way is the formalized training, the formalized training is in the form of people who embrace the practice of, 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 of crisis management, and that can come in, it doesn't make a difference. That's just a, a leadership style happens to be my profession and, and an overlay to my overall industry. So there is formalized training. And I, I do think that even if they were to embrace pieces of it, where you get that preparation hat on the mindset, um, you know, any business out there, if you don't have a business continuity plan from, if we didn't learn anything, we learned a ton about supply chain interruption. So it doesn't make a difference who you are. If you, if you need a widget for your organization to run, um, the, the widget making business was, was an eye opening experience during this pandemic. So that so would just be one example. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. I, I'm, I had a feeling you, that's pretty much what you're going to say. And I totally endorse what you're saying too. I just wondered sometimes whether folks, and I think I may have mentioned this to you another time. Uh, I don't know if school systems had any kind of, as a whole with a W, any kind of sense of, uh, of crisis management and preparation for the things that, that have, have come at them. And they're lucky that they were able to at least manage to do what they've done in, in uh, lots of ways, rather than to sort of switch a gear. And you know, if, you, if, if your house loses power and you have a house generator, that's, you, that's the button switches over and you have power again. But that's not the way uh, so many places worked, unfortunately. And it's it doesn't speak well for where we have to take ourselves. No, I, and I think I might have mentioned this in the previous, um, you know, uh, our meeting together. Crisis management and emergency management preparation is similar to security. It costs a lot of money. Nobody really likes to talk about it. It's not that sexy, but when you don't have it, you realize and you wish that you did. Um, so this it's a, a complete uh, you know analogy here where whether it's education, what's what we're talking about, um, the education sector, the healthcare sector kind of gets it because they're in that emergency you know mindset. But the financial industry would be another sector that gets it. You know they're redundancies and backups and, you know, to keep the financial sector running. So that doesn't necessarily um, spill over to, to other sectors. And, and really, and really crisis management, we spoke a little bit about that fluidity earlier. Um, it's a skill that if you had significant or enough training on that, uh, it's not just navigating a, just a, a major crisis like we've seen. It, it's actually a skill set that helps uh, because what do you have? You need, you need to be well informed. You need to have fluidity in your decision making. You need to involve all stakeholders, and then when it comes down to it, confidence to make those really challenging decisions quickly, right? And uh, that's that's a skill set that transcends just a crisis. Uh, yeah. That's a skill set that you could leverage in 
everyday life going all the way to parenting if you're a parent like those are things that you really could really would be useful and I, I it's a shame that it is an afterthought um, because it's something that you that that would be so beneficial in higher ed in k-12 and organizations in general to have that ability to navigate things and sort of slow time down when things do happen because that's what that's what when you have a good skill set down or you've practiced something really like you, you hear major league baseball players sees it uh, they they see these 99 mile 100 they see these pitches in a slower form than where thinking about but why because they're trained they have the skill set to do that and similarly with crisis management if they have those skill sets they almost do it naturally if they're trained the right way um so i think it's a great point that you bring up so larry we we're, we're just about at time we would love to have you back as a three-time guest at some point um whenever you you are available i think uh for uh for our listeners i hope that they're listening uh, to what you have to say, not just of, I, I spoke, I, I don't know if it was the beginning or offline, about the multiple hats that you have and what those opportunities, I think we talked about that in the first podcast, if anybody wants to listen to that as well, and what it's what it's done for you as a person and, and the kind of leader you are. So hopefully people could listen in and just hear how you approach things um, and uh, just get a, get a good uh, knowledge base of how to do it sort of right in my view. Um, Rachel, I'll give you uh, a, a last thought and then Larry, you'll have the final thought as well. Rich? Yeah, I'd like to see Larry demonstrate how he does some of these things. Yeah. Thing. I'm absolutely serious because um, I, think we, I think we just put our finger on the pulse of something that's really not, like you said, Al, really not the practice. It's not the norm. Right. Maybe the norm in, in certain sec- sectors, like finance, obviously, is a good example, and probably health up to a point. Uh, certainly, not, certainly not education. Military comes to mind too, all right, among other things. But it would be really interesting to try to um, encapsulate what I think we're we're touching the three of us into something that uh, people might be able to take advantage of uh, in terms of uh, coming out of the other side of this crisis. No, I appreciate. Larry, it's not even Larry so, so much of what you say is, is, is with the sum of the ideas of what you say uh, was what stirs us. And that's, uh, and that's why uh, we are so appreciative of having you on. No, and, I, and I, again, I appreciate it as well. Well, there'll be some of those tidbits in my, in my book when I eventually get around to writing it. <laughs> we got to wait till the, till the crisis is over, both from a time and a, and a believable credibility standpoint. But, um, you know, to, to wrap up my final thoughts, I would say this, you know, it, we touched on exactly what you just said. Um, if there's anyone listening or whose organization doesn't have, doesn't buy into it yet. Uh, you know, if, if you spoke to, to Tulane university after hurricane Katrina and the folks there, you know, that that's a mindset that they had, you know, the hundred year flood that was never going to happen, a category five storm. It, it's, it's all, it's those, ne- those never say nevers. Um, that's the majority of the folks that you deal with in our business. And there's always the, the small vocal minority that says, ah, you probably should listen to us. We, but we should have to prepare just in case. And that could, that could transcend a lot of different pieces of it. So if anyone's listening that, you know, that, that has that uh, you got to work on it and you have to get that cultural buy-in institutional buy-in and then try to find the folks who either have the skill set and get them to the table or, you know, search out and and try to find them because when the, when the proverbial bell rings, you're going to need them for sure. 
Thank you. Better than I could. So well said. And uh, we'll look, uh, listen, we'll have you on when that book comes out. We'll we'll push you to finish up that book. I'm sure we'll be the first in line to have you on and to buy the book for sure. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure and uh, really, really glad you were able to come.